Welcome to Investing in the US, an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. G'day guys and welcome to another edition of Investing in the US, an Aussie's Guide to US Real Estate. From Los Angeles, I'm Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. So guys, we're doing something a little bit different on today's show. We don't have a guest. I am going to be the guest and I'm going to be the host. I'm going to do everything all in one. This is part one of a three-part series devoted to understanding syndication investing. You know, how it works, what are the associated benefits for investors, and how it is the ultimate investing tool to help scale your real estate business. So I wanted to really provide this series to give some clarity as to what I do with my business, which is RSM Property Group, because... In RSM Property Group, I use syndication investing to continue to grow my real estate business, you know, from the day to day. And sometimes, you know, people and investors can get a little bit confused when I say to them, you know, they say, Reed, what do you do with your business? And I say, I use syndication investing to purchase large multifamily deals across the United States. So that can be a little bit misleading and maybe a little bit people don't understand what I'm saying. So in today's show, which is part one, we'll be focused on explaining the basics of syndication in layman's terms. So we'll go over all the A to Z of syndication, just, just from a, a big high level point of view. In part two, I'll be interviewing John Cohen, who I would like to say is syndication in action. And in part three, I'll be speaking with Mark Roderick, who's one of the leading syndication and crowdfunding lawyers here in the United States, about all the legality requirements when raising capital from investors. So let's get into today's show. Now, before we jump into the nuts and bolts of how I use syndication in my day-to-day business and how I buy large commercial deals, I just wanted to take a step back so I can explain to you and and you guys have a better understanding of the basics of what syndication is and how does it work. So on today's episode, I'm going to, I hope you got your pens and papers because you're going to be writing all this information down. We're going to cover some great topics. Uh, It's going to be jam-packed full of incredible uh, advice and from myself and just what I've learned over the, the past four years helped trying to, to go from having not a single piece of property to now um, investing in large multifamily communities, you know, 250 units raising a ton of money. So it's really my experience and what I've seen along the way. And so what we're on today's show, we're going to be answering some of the basics questions. So, you know, like what is syndication? We'll answer that. Uh, we'll be answering how does it work? I'll, I'll go into some of the risks and mistakes of syndication. I'll briefly touch on the legality requirements, but I do want to leave most of that to part three. I will also be looking at how you raise money from investors. So, like, let's let's uh, let's get started. You know, let, let's let's understand what syndication is all about. I want to start out by explaining, just taking a step back and saying that syndication, simply put, is just pooling investors' capital together to help fund. A business. So it shouldn't be feared as this sort of weird thing. It should really be looked at as a type of um, an additional tool in your in your tool belt when you're starting to grow your real estate business. So, you know, it's a financing vehicle for businesses. It accumulates money to fund a business. So think about investors. You know, there's a lot of investors, a lot of you out there you know, listening to this show. And you might have some money sitting in the bank and you don't want it sitting in the bank. You want it to be 
Um, what's you know you want to get it out working for you. So you might look to rent your money, get a good return on your investment. They will go out and they'll rent their money to a business, and there are a ton of ca- there's a ton of capital out there looking for good cracking investment opportunities. But you know what? Syndication is also an investment vehicle, and if you think about that for a second, it offers money a place to invest. You know, business owners need money. I need money as a business owner to help operate my business. And investors want to get a good return on their money, so they look, you know, to rent their money out. So essentially, what we have is a financing vehicle, which is the dollars. You know, so the investing, the investors' dollars, and we have the investment vehicle, which are the deals. So I have the deals. Investors have the dollars, and because of that we are going to form a partnership with the dollars and the deals, <laughs> if that makes sense. And that's all it is. I've gone out and found a cracking deal and I've said, I need help raising money on this deal. I need help closing on this deal. It might be a deal that is you know, too large for me to close on. It might say it's, I don't know, 2 million bucks. I don't have sitting around, say it's of $2 million to, to close on this deal. I need uh, 20% down, which is going to be $400,000. Now I don't have $400,000 sitting around. So what I can do is I can go out and say to people, hey, I've got this really, really good deal. Would you like to come and invest with me on this deal? You have a, and for investing with me, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a return on your investment. And, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on the show. But so what it is, it's just a partnership between me and the investors. And we go, we pull our money together. I put some money in, they put some money in. And I might go to say, you know, five, 10, 15 investors, however, however you know, many it takes. And we will then go and, and, and use that. We'll pull the money together for the down payment and we will go and use conventional financing to purchase this, this particular deal, this $2 million deal or more. It could be $14 million deal. That's what we did, which is what I did last year with Woodland in Texas. We did a $14.1 million, $14. million deal, 250 units, and we raised something in the order of $3.5 million-ish from investors and we pulled that together. And then we went out and we got conventional financing from a you know, commercial lender and we closed on the deal. So that's all it is. Syndication is pooling the money together, forming a partnership with people who don't necessarily have, who want to get a good return on their money. And it's and businesses, i.e. me, RSN Property Group, looking to fund deals, right? I want to fund my deals. I want to get my deals funded. So I will create that partnership. I'll say, hey, guys. Here's a cracking deal. You want to rent your money out. Let's form a partnership and buy this deal together. And at the end of the day, what it does is it's where both myself as the business owner and investors, we are ma- we're partnering up and so we can make money together. And that's and syndication is the platform to make that partnership work. Syndication is also the, really the ultimate leverage opportunity. So think about that for a second. So we talked about that it's a partnership, but really why do people engage in syndication? And the, the answer to that question is people engage in real estate syndication because syndication equals leverage. It's it's the ultimate leverage opportunity. I am leveraging other people's money, and we'll talk about that in a minute, to buy deals. So just, just write that down and think about syndication is a leverage opportunity. So you might be asking yourself, why would someone... If you're, if you're saying to me, Reed, why don't I just go and buy the real estate deal myself? Well, the reason that I use syndication is that you know people are very, very busy in their everyday lives, and they might not have the time or the energy to go and find a cracking deal. So I go and find those cracking deals, 
and I say, look, this deal is too big for me to take down by myself. And I'll go to my investors. They're, they might be working full time. They've got other stuff going on in their life, but they want to get a good return on their money. They're, they know the benefits of real estate. They want to be involved in some real estate syndications, some real estate deals. They want to get good, the good tax advantages from real estate, but they don't necessarily have the time and energy to go out and find it. So they use me, they're leveraging my ability to find cracking deals. And I use them or the investors as a leverage opportunity to borrow their money and we buy the, we pull the money together and we buy this deal and we take the deal down. And so it's really the ultimate leverage opportunity from both the investor's point of view and from the syndicator's point of view or the business's point of view, which is me. They leverage myself to find the good deals. I leverage the investors to raise the down payment on, on a deal and we go and close on these large deals together and we create long-term wealth. So I want to talk a little bit about who is involved in a syndication deal. So as I just said before, I said the word syndicator before, and a syndicator is myself, Reed Goosens or RSM Property Group. It's the person who orchestrates the, the main player. That, that, that I will orchestrate everything. I'll, I'll find the deal. I will go negotiate with the seller. I will close on the deal. I'll get all the legal paperwork involved. I will Once we've closed, I'll then go in and operate. I won't physically operate, but I'll get a, a good property manager in there to run the deal. And we will employ what's called our repositioning model, our business model, which is you know, do we, we, we will only buy assets which are with value add components. And we can talk about that in a later episode, but just today I want to focus on sort of who, are the, who is involved in, in, in the syndication process so, or a syndication deal. So, so number one is a syndicator and that's, you know, that's myself. I oversee the negotiation with the seller, the broker. I create the legal paperwork to form the partnership with the investors and I perform the asset management duties and I oversee the day-to-day management of the property once we close on the deal. So the second person involved in the deal is obviously the investors. The investors are very, very key to this. And as I explained before, they're individuals who want to invest their own capital into the deal. They're looking to rent their money out. And for renting their money out, they're going to own a percentage of the deal. So they'll have an equity stake in the the deal. And they'll get all the benefits of owning real estate, but not actually, you know, but not physically being involved because we explained that these investors are typically guys who don't have the time or energy to go out and find cracking deals, you know, that I can go out and find. Investors also in a syndication are typically are hands-off investors or what I like to call aka passive investing. So these, I will go to someone and say, hey, Bob, I need half a million dollars to close on this deal. Bob will say to me, great, read here's half a million dollars and I, I expect a return on my investment. I say, I will give you a return on investment. But they also say to me, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to oversee the day-to-day operations and, you know, the, all the headaches involved. And not the headaches, but just all the, the goings-on of, of closing the deal, operating the deal, um, seeing that the deal run is run effectively. So that's what investors are hands-off and, and they will receive a return on in their, their investment. The third person that can, t- can sometimes be involved um, is an equity partner. Now, an equity partner typically has access to large number of investors. So they might have already had a pre-existing relationship with these investors, and they will connect the syndicator with the investors. And then for doing that, they'll take a, typically take a fee or maybe even an equity stake in the deal, and we'll get, a, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But so they're the, real, they're, they're the three main players in a syndication deal. It's the syndicator, i.e. myself, and, and I'm the individual who oversees just the A to Z of everything of the deal. 
Then there's the investors who look to just rent their money out and they, they're hands off and they just want to sit back and relax and see a quarterly check. And then you might have a, what's called an equity partner who can sometimes bridge the gap between the syndicator and the investor and they will take either an equity stake in the deal or they'll take a fee for, for bringing the deal together. So I want to talk a little bit about of the power of syndication and, and what is it. So when you think about syndication and you look at you know so many other businesses out there Look at all the big banks. Look at all the major businesses. You know, take anything: Google, Apple. You know, Google and Apple didn't get to where they are today by using, you know, the found. The founders didn't just go, "I've got this great idea. I'm going to use my own capital to get this business off the ground." They didn't, that's not how it works. They used syndication essentially. Uh, they went out. They said, "I've got a great idea. Come and invest with me, and we will grow this business together." So they're using what's called OPM or other people's money, and that is how you grow your business. So it's a, the power of syndication is that you're using other people's money to help grow your business, to help create long-term wealth. So just, I really want to drive that point home that when you think about this, you look at any businesses around, just take a look around and businesses don't, you know, major businesses don't get to where they are through just having a pile of cash sitting on the sideline from the founders and just saying, oh, here's, here's $10 million. I'm going to put it into this business and make and make Google happen. That It just doesn't work like that. You use other people's money. You use the investor's money to fund the business. And by funding the business, the business can grow and the investors get a return on their money. Uh, and then we also get to grow the business and create long-term wealth. So the power of syndication is OPM, other people's money. So let's talk a little bit about the syndication process in real estate. This, we're talking about real estate because this is a real estate podcast, obviously. So we step one is I, RSM Property Group, will find a deal. I will we can have a whole other episode about how I find those deals, but we're just, for, just for today, we're going to keep it simple and basic. The syndication process is that I find a deal. I go out, I find the deal. I have my existing relationships with brokers and stuff like that. Now, once I've found that deal, I need to create the syndication. And what I'll do is I'll go and create a syndication partnership, right? And, and that might just be in the form of an entity. So an entity being, you know, an LLC, a limited liability company or an LLP. So once I've, once I've found the deal, I put in an offer, my offer's accepted. I now need to either raise, I can raise the money prior to finding a deal or I can, you know, in in the couple of instances that we've closed on large deals, we've actually closed, we, we've got our offer accepted, and then we've sort of had ninety days to raise uh, the money that we needed to raise, which can be stressful, but we won't go into that. So once once my offer, let's just let's just go back to once you know a simple simple scenario, and that is my offer is accepted. I then go to all my investors and say, "Hey guys, you know you've told me that you wanted to invest in real estate. You don't have the time or energy to invest in real estate. You want to get a return on your money of X." I can give you a return on your money of X because of this deal that I've just found. It's a cracking deal and I want you to become involved with it as well. I'll put some money in, you put some money in. I'm going to go create the legal paperwork and that legal paperwork is the the, the, the entity, the LLC. So once I've created that legal paperwork, I've also stimulated some interest from all my investors and and the investors uh, and I'll go raise the money. So and raise the money for the for the down payment or, or maybe a little bit more. So the, typically it might be 25, 35% of the total price I will be raising in private equity. 
So once investors are excited, they will then fund the partnership or the new entity which I've formed. So they'll they'll fund the partnership. It'll be the money will be sitting in the bank, and I'll put my money into the deal. They'll put my, their money into the deal. We've, we've funded this partnership. The partnership will then go and buy the deal. And once we've purchased that deal, we uh, we own it. You know, the, the new entity, which you know, investors have an equity stake of that, the ownership of that of the partnership, and I have an equity stake in that. And we'll talk about structuring a little bit later on. But that's sort of the basic steps: find the deal, create the syndication legal paperwork, go raise the money from investors. Investors will then fund the partnership, and then five will close on the deal. So that's that's in in rough term what the syndication process is. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you structure the syndication deal. I just touched briefly on how I would structure the syndication deal. So as I said, I, I will go out and form an entity that will purchase purchase that particular deal. So that entity, I will own an equity stake in it for being the syndicator and investors will own an entity uh, stake in it for providing capital. So typically I, what I see and what I've seen and what I've done in, in the couple of deals that we've done so far in the deals that we do put together is that this, the equity split, if you've got think of it like a pie, 100% of it, right? 20 to 30%, depending on what, what that might be, will go to the syndicator, aka me, aka RSN Property Group. And we will be what is called the general partner. So we'll be the general partner of the, syndica- of the syndication. The remaining 70 or 80 percent of it of the of the pie goes to the investors, and that in, and so for providing the 25 30 percent down payment for the deal, they will then own up to 80 percent of the entire equity of the property, right? Or, or the partnership, because the partnership owns the property and they own 80 percent of that, or up to 80 percent of that partnership. So, and they will be what's called LPs or limited partners. And that means that they can't, you know, oh, Captain, my Captain band together. And we'll talk about all that in, in, in a minute. And they can't, you know, take over the, the deal. You know, they're investing with me because I know what I'm doing and I'm running the deal. And I, I've done this before and they, they trust me and I've got, I've got credibility and they will know that they're going to get a good return on their money. But they have up to 80% equity ownership of the deal. So in terms of the returns that, you know, for owning 80%, so you have only 80% of the ownership of the deal. And then I will also give uh, what's called a preferred return, which is paid out in quarterly payments. And that is paid out through the cash flow from the deal. So I'll find a deal. It might be, it be, I always look for value add deals. And I know that from day one, I can pay my investors a preferred return. So preferred return just means that they're going to get paid before I get paid. So the first, typically on most of our deals, we do what's called a preferred return of 8%. So 8% of their money. So say we raised a million dollars and I said, okay, guys, I'm going to pay you every year a preferred return of from the cash flow of the property. And that's got nothing to do with the equity. Just just think of the, the, the cash flow. I can pay you 8% on your money. Straight flat out, I can just pay you 8%. Uh, you know, that, that's what I can do. So on a million bucks, I'll get $80,000 of it. The first $80,000 of cash flow will go straight to the investors, Right. And then, fr- and then they also then own the equity uh, equity in the deal, right? So I will go into the deal and they'll have the upside of the potential based on the ownership. So if I go into the deal and I increase the, the cash flow in the deal and instead of 8%, we see 10%. Well, then that 10% is passed on to the investors because they own an equity stake of the deal. And now the deal is actually worth more because I've increased the cash flow. So you have two, you have two 
ways of looking at it. You have the appreciation, the forced appreciation of the deal, like the deal is worth X and then we will go in and add value to it and take the deal to be now worth even more, which is why, but for just renting their money, I'm paying them preferred return on their money, typically 8%. So I hope I hope that makes sense. If, if, I, if I hope I have confused anyone out there of how that, how I've just structured the deal. So layman's terms is that investors will own up to 80%, but usually around 70% of the deal they'll own. I, as the syndicator, will own uh, 30%, and they will get paid a preferred return. So the first 8% of rental income, well, they will get paid. Then I will get paid some of the rental income because I own equity as well. But it's if for some reason we can't get 8% of uh, up to 8% of for, for whatever reason, then the, the, the difference is so say I only pay out 7% in year one. Well, that difference of 1% gets tacked onto the following year. And that's how the investors make money. But we project and we, will, we show the, the projections of what we know the property is currently operating at. And so that's where we can determine what that preferred return is. 8% is not just picked out of thin air. We know that we've underwritten the deal and that 8% is, is, is picked because we've got a cash on cash return of more than that. And I, I know that I can pay that 8% to my investors, even when we've analyzed every single scenario. And even in the worst case scenario, we can still pay investors 8%. So, so that, that's the structure of, of, of the deal. So we'll go in, we'll buy the deal. I'll use the investor's money and a bit of my own money to put, to put as a down payment. We've purchased a deal. I want to go and move on a little bit, talk about what are the risks uh, of investing in a syndication. And some of the associated risks, they're the same associated risk of owning any real estate investment. You know, you can have variable economic trends. You can have this failure to manage the property effectively um, and reducing the income potential because, you know, you let the property go down the toilet and it starts to deteriorate. You don't keep up the maintenance and, you know, renters move out or they don't pay on time because the, the property's in poor shape. That's a risk. There's unforeseen circumstances such as natural causes, you know, hurricanes or cyclones, you know, there's renovate. If we do any renovations, they may run over budget. So there's, there's fa- and there's failure to pay, repay the debt and interest rates might increase to limiting cash flow. There's all these risks associated with when you're owning any type of real estate deal. But in a syndication, as the syndicator, you need to mitigate those risks. So if we, if we, the way we mitigate those risks is by making sure that, you know, variable economic trends, where you've got to look at where we're in the market. We've got to, I'm a huge believer if you make money when you buy and not when you sell. So you've got to be buying a cracking deal. That is lesson, lesson number one. And we'll get into the, the mistakes a little bit later. But you're mitigating that risk. So you're making sure that where, where we are in 2016, I'm still buying a very good deal based on where we are in the, in, in the, in the cycle. That's, that's how you mitigate the variable economic trends. Make money when you buy, not when you sell. To failure to manage, manage the property effectively. Well, that would never happen because you know we, we do our job. A bad syndicator wouldn't do their job. But as a syndicator, I, I oversee the day-to-day of the property management to make sure that they're doing the job. They're screening the tenants. They're doing all the maintenance that is required. They're making sure they're keeping upkeep to the property and it's not, nothing's deteriorating. So we mitigate that risk by keeping on top of the property management. Unforeseen uh, natural, you know, causes and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm just sort of going through the mitigating factors of of what I just listed before in terms of what are the risks involved with this indication. So unforeseen circumstances such as natural causes. Well, you have insurance for that. You know, cyclone insurance. You have tornado insurance. You have earthquake insurance. 
you have um you know you have you have a, a a whole slew of insurances that will cover you in case the property in the event of a natural cause. Renovations running over budget. Now, as I sort of alluded to before, we buy value-add property. So when we purchase, there's obviously a, a period of time that we will go in and do renovations and increase the net operating income of the property. And that will be by doing renovations to the apartments, or it might be that we're putting in sub-metering for all the units. That, that means that the, the, the tenant then starts paying for, the, for their utilities and not the ownership. So whatever we might be doing in terms of renovations, making sure they don't run over budget. And that comes again back to me as the syndicator, making sure that I know what I'm doing. I've, I've done this before. I know what it costs to put in new flooring. I know what it costs to put in HVAC and, and electrical equipment. We always go out and get three bids from all our general contractors before we initiate on any uh, renovations on any major of our apartments. And we, we make sure we get we don't necessarily go for the lowest bid. We will go for someone who's going to do the job correctly and do it on time and not go over budget. Failure to make you know repayments on the debt. Well, that comes back to the management of the property and that sort of how you know tenants are being put in, the right tenants being put in, they're paying their rent on time. If any tenant is not paying their rent, then that, you know, we will, uh, they'll be kicked out. Interest rates rising, limiting cash flow. When we go and get the, the loan on the uh, on the property, we will be looking at we only look at sort of fixed loans. We don't want to look at any variable loans. So we fix in a loan for ten to fifteen years, mitigating that risk. There's a whole slew of other uh, you know risks involved in syndication. And if you are thinking about getting involved in, in any syndication, it's just really you got to do your due diligence. And, and I'm not I'm not a lawyer or by any means, please go and go and talk to a lawyer if you're getting involved in a syndication. But it's just really doing your due diligence and, and vetting the person who you're investing with. And, and it comes down to credibility and, and, and that credibility is so important. So I build my credibility through doing stuff like this, podcasts, doing showing that I've got track record, giving advice on how best to avoid pitfalls, all these sort of stuff. I'm trying to build credibility with my investors. And that is the real, you know, you got to you got to be credible and you have to be knowledgeable in what you're doing. And, and, and there's, you know, at the end of the day, there's risks involved in syndications. You just got to, you know, we will mitigate those risks as a syndicator and you should be as an investor doing your due diligence, asking all the hard questions to the syndicator about every single one of those risks and how they're being mitigated. So really do your due diligence. So what are the, some of the biggest mistakes I see syndicators make? Well, I sort of touched on a little bit before. And mistake number one is really buying a mediocre deal. You've got to buy a cracking deal. You know, there's nothing worse than trying to shovel mud uphill. If you don't have a good deal, then if you kind of get excited about a deal, then investors are not going to get excited about a deal. So you make money when you buy and not when you sell. And I'll repeat that many, many times throughout these podcasts. You make money when you buy and not when you sell. You need to be buying at a good price, you know, under market value. You need to be identifying, as a syndicator this is, uh, you need to be identifying the different aspects in which you can raise the net, the, the, the net operating income. You're either raising rents or you're reducing the uh, operational expenses. So you're raising rents because the apartment needs, um, apartments need a lick of paint. They, they, they're built back in the 80s and they just haven't been updated since that. Well, and, and you know that the, the market rent is higher than what's currently been rented. So you're going to go in and do a bunch of renovations to the apartments and you're going to increase the, the rents. And by increasing rents, you're increasing net operating income. So you're looking at sort of ways to, to make that machine, which is the business, which is the apartment community, run more efficiently, run like in a well-oiled machine. And that is identifying, as I said, ways to increase the net operating income. 
Mistake number two that I see with syndicators is that sometimes syndicators may buy a deal that is too large. Uh, the bigger the deal, the more money you need to raise. So think about that for a second. If you, on my first deal was a 250 unit deal, it was a big deal. And I had to bring in other people to help us raise the, the capital because I didn't have, at the time, the ability to, to close on it or to ability to raise all the, the money. So I went to my mentor and he went to other people and we went to, you know, we talked about the equity partners that could come in and they could introduce investors to the deal. Well, that's what we did on our first deal. And we got it over the line. That was, that was a great thing. But if you're still doing too big a deal, you know, going out and raising $3 million is a big, is a big task, you know, but going out and raising, say, half a million dollars, maybe not as big of a task and you can still close on a $2 million deal with half a million bucks and you can still maybe get a, a 30 or 40 unit property depending on where you're buying. So the bigger the deal is, the more money you need to raise. So keep that in mind when you're when you're buying deals. And the last point I'm going to, on the mistake number two is about the size of the deals. Nothing happens until you get your first deal done. Remember that. Nothing is going to happen. People are not going to take you seriously. Brokers are not going to take you seriously until you get your first deal done. So that goes back to point number one. The more money you've got to raise, the harder that is, the higher the risk is that you can't raise the money and you don't close on the deal, You know, meaning that you don't get your first one over the line. I know our first deal, a lot of there was a lot of headache. There was a lot of you know late, late nights, uh, lost sleep. But at the end of the day, we got the deal done. And that is so important. We got the deal done. So mistake number three is lack of time to raise the capital. And this goes back to, you know, you need to be developing, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how you're raising money from investors uh, in a little bit, but you need to be developing an investor pool before you go under contract with the property. So that means that as syndicators, they haven't, they haven't gone out and told enough people about what they're doing. So it's, you know, you're creating list, a list of investors who you can go to once you've found a cracking deal and saying, hey, guys, I'm going to buy these multifamily deals. This is what I'm looking for. This is the investment criteria. Are you interested? People will say yes or no. You keep a, a running log of that those investors and just sort of how much they could contribute to the to the deal. And once you've found the deal, you can go back to those investors and say, hey, guys, I've got this deal. Are you willing to, to, to put in to, to invest with me? Constantly developing your investor black book. The other thing is you've got to develop a pitch book and that, you know, nothing's going to, you can't talk to investors until you have a pitch book because they want to see what type of deals you're chasing. Uh, and the last thing I see with that mistake, not enough time to raise capital is not negotiating enough time on your contract to close and then go out and raise the capital. So don't, on a commercial deal, don't go and say, oh, I'm going to close in 10 days knowing that you can't raise half a million dollars in 10 days, you know. Give yourself some time, 30, 45 days, maybe 60-day close, and enough time to go back to your investors in uh, and raise that money. Mistake number four, and this is the sort of the last of the, mis- the big mistakes, is the lack of investment strategy. And the number, like this goes back to a lot of things, is you have to be clear with your plan. Now, my plan at RSM Property Group is that we buy value-add multifamily deals. I want to see value-add. I don't want to see, I don't want to buy someone else's, fish, so to speak. You know, I know how to fish, so I'm not going to go out and buy someone else's fish. I'm not going to go out and buy a shiny diamond uh, in terms of an investment property. I'm going to go out and find that diamond in the rough and, you know, make it better and make that and enforce the appreciation and and, and give my investors uh, a good return on their money. So it's no lack of plan and, and people, you need really need to be clear with that. You know, we, I, my, our plan with RSM Property Group is that we look at class C plus or B uh, properties in tier two, tier two cities around the country, 
We look to to renters in the sort of middle income earners, so police, uh, policemen, teachers, you know, people who work, some labourers, people who work in um, factories, those sort of stuff. Guys that don't, and maybe not necessarily. Um, are going to ever own a property ever, but they're happy. They want a clean, safe uh, home to live in with maybe a pool and a gym. You know, they, but they're not, we're not fighting with the new millennials who are going to go buy the class A, the new, the, the, you know, the class A properties that have just been built. So that's that's our specific plan, and and you've got to be specific with your strategy in terms of what deals you're t- you're chasing. So this brings us into the sort of the next thing, and that's sort of like the legal requirements. And as I said, I'm briefly going to touch on this, not too much, because we've got a whole part three is all to do with legal requirements. But here in the United States, you know, when you're raising money from public, the government views it as a public offering, and there has been some changes to this rule. So I will I will throw this in, and, and I'm not a lawyer, so you know that's why I got the part three. So if you're raising money from the public, typically it's been that you had to register with the Security Exchange Commission, which is the SEC. And that registration or that public offering can be very expensive. And for smaller businesses, it's too expensive to do. So the SEC came up with a, with a thing called Regulation D, which is a private offering. And, and Regulation D contains exemptions from registering with the SEC. And so... What you're saying to yourself, what are, what, are, what are the requirements that you must meet? And some of the requirements, there, there's three requir- three rules set out in the Security Exchange Commission, and that is, sorry, the Regulation D, and that is, you know, Regulation 504, 505, and 506. The common one that I see is that, you know, it's 505, securities, you know, can be sold to an unlimited number of investors and, and up to 35 non-accredited investors. I will, in part three, we will talk a little bit more about how the this Jobs Act, which was where Regulation D first came came up, has changed recently to allow easier ability to raise capital from investors. So, just we will we will talk about that more in part three. But I'm just sort of trying to give you an overall feel of how, where we're headed to uh, when you're raising money from investors. The last thing is that. You'll need to complete a private placement memorandum when you're doing uh, stuff with Regulation D, and that's called a PPM. And that, that's an expensive documentation. You'll need a lawyer to do to help you fill that out. But essentially what it is, a PPM, it outlines all the risks involved in purchasing the particular deal. And that is where, as investors, you need to be making sure that your syndicator has a PPM. If they don't have a PPM, run the other way. It's a big red flag. Don't be involved. It outlines literally every single risk can go wrong, and it also outlines every mitigate how you mitigate those risks. So a PPM is a private placement memorandum, and it needs to meet it and to, to meet the requirements of Regulation D. Full disclosure must be given to all potential investors related in the investment or in the offering. So it contains the disclosures and outlines everything about the company for the prospective investors from how the offering will be set up and taxed to outlining the associated risks uh, involved with the offering. But at the end of the day, when it comes to the legality requirements and when you're raising capital, you know we will be talking to Mark in episode three. You need to consult your real estate attorney regarding the individual deal. And if you're an investor, please take the PPM to your attorney for review. And Mark is only too happy to do that when we'll talk about him in part three. So this comes to our last section is like how you raise money from investors. Now, typically up until recently, 
you haven't been able to what's called solicit or advertise to, to to the public just randomly. You had to sort of prove that you had an existing relationship with investors on Regulation D offerings. That is, so you know you couldn't just go and speak at the top of a of a building about exactly what deal you're doing. But recent changes in that particular in the Jobs Act have has now opened that up a little bit more. And Mark will go into that in part three. So, but ha- but back to how I raise money for my deals and from investors. And the first one is I network like crazy. I am networking constantly. I, ne- I creating that it goes back to creating credibility and creating trust with your investors. So you need to be out there. If you're a syndicator thinking about getting involved or starting using syndication in your business, you need to be talking to you know twenty or thirty people a month over coffee about what you're doing getting relationships it goes back to developing your pitch book it goes back to developing that relationship prior to getting a deal under 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 contract it goes back to telling every single person that what the, what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve with investing in in real estate and you want to use other people's money to help you and if you had an, if you have an investment opportunity you'll come back to those people and make sure that it meets their their investment criteria so you can say hey i've got this deal it meets your investing criteria. Would you be interested in investing in this deal? And that's sort of the short and the tall of it. Attending heaps of real estate investing, associating you know meetups, stuff like that. Um, look for sophisticated investors in those meetups. They're typically, you're going to get a lot, a lot of those meetups. You'll have sophisticated investors. Other real estate investors looking to pool their money together to buy larger deals. You know, I've I've pulled money together with other real estate investors who know about all this stuff. You know, I don't have to go to passive guys and we've all taken an active role. So you don't have to go to passive investors. It's just the way that I now do it. But on the first few deals that I did, I, I partnered with three or four other guys and we all pulled our money together and bought larger deals. And, and you're going to, at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to be meeting a lot of people. That's just the way of the game is. And hopefully with the way the, the, the changes in the Jobs Act, meeting people, can become a little easier in terms of online advertising and, and Mark will get into that in part three. But just just be warned that you're going to be meeting a lot of people and it's going to be, you're going to meet a lot, a lot of people before you find an angel investor. And I still haven't found an angel investor yet. I still raise money from a lot of smaller individuals and I, I, I'm, you know, my goal for 2016 is to find larger, bigger, high net worth individuals, you know, tr- REITs, funds that want to fund the deals that we're buying. So you'll be, you'll be talking to a lot of people, You'll be having a lot of coffees or a lot of over a few drinks, and it's going to be a constant thing in your business as you go to scale your business to use real estate syndication. And at the end of the day, the bigger your network is, the bigger your reach, the more money you can raise and the more deals you can get done. So it goes back to that networking thing, guys. So that really concludes today's episode on syndication basics. And I just wanted to retouch on what we've sort of learned, and that is, you know, syndication, simply put, is pooling people's money together. It's a type of financing for your deal to get de- cracking bigger and larger deals done. And it also offers money a place to invest. So it offers investors money, uh, a good return on their investment and a place that they can put that uh, their money into a vehicle that's going to create a good ter- uh, return on investment. At the end of the day, it's syndication on both the investing side and as a syndicator is the ultimate leverage opportunity. Investors leverage syndicators' abilities to find cracking deals and syndicators leverage investors' money to help close on the deal. So remember that. We also look, we talked about the three people or three major players involved in it, the syndicator, the investor, and the equity partner. In my scenario, in all my investors are passive guys. They're hands-off. They just rent me the money. They have an equity stake in the deal. 
uh, and I go and do the A to Z. I might have to be, I might have to bring in an equity partner who introduces me to more investors who has a wider reach than I do, and I have done that on previous deals. So just keep that in mind. We talked about the syndication process, about how that works, finding the deal, raising the money, funding the partnership, closing on the deal. We talked a little bit about the structuring of the deal and how I like to structure my deals, and it's sort of a 70-30 split, and that is owned, and, and investors will get a preferred return based on the cash flow. We talked about some of the risks involved in it and you know, making sure that you're doing your due diligence on the syndicator if you're an investor. And as a syndicator, you need to be making sure you're ticking all those boxes when it comes to answering investors' questions. And that is you know, what we talked about, how you're going to the variable economic trends, how you're going to manage your property managers, what are you going to do in unforeseen circumstances, what are you going to do, how are you going to make sure the budget doesn't overrun in terms of uh, repairs, all these sort of things. We talked about some of the biggest mistakes that I see syndicators making. We also then went over some of the legality requirements in the Regulation D, and we talked about the PPM. So I hope you got a lot out of today's show. It's all the show notes will go up on my website at rsmpropertygroup.com, like always. Uh, remember to click on the podcast tab. And just remember that I'm always open to you know answering questions offline. Give me a call, shoot me an email. Anything to do with real estate syndication, I love. I truly, truly, truly do love because it's a great way to scale your business. And and stay tuned for part two and part three because we have some cracking guests. Like John Cohen is 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 an example of real estate syndication on steroids. He's doing so much stuff and done it in such a limited period of time. And you might be thinking, oh, I can't do it or it's too difficult, it's too hard or whatever. Well, John will prove it to you. He's gone from owning you know, very limited properties to now owning like over 150 units in a, in a space of two years. Really, really incredible stuff. And again, in part three, we'll be talking to Mark Roderick, who's one of the leading crowdfunding attorneys and syndication specialists in the United States about all the legality requirements, the changes in the Jobs Act, how that's going to affect how you raise capital and how investors are connected with deals um, and what you can and can't do and the Regulation D. So stay tuned for that and we'll do this all again next week. So take care, be safe and remember, happy investing.